Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, hey, I'm Jimmy Bullard, and this is me old muck of Benners. We're back together, son. How are you? Hi, Bully. Great to be back working with you. What are we doing here, though? We're starting a football club in podcast form. The only thing we know, it's called FC Bullard. After that, it's all up for grabs. So, we haven't got any players, we haven't got a kit, we haven't got a club badge, we haven't got a stadium. Correct. FC Bullard. Welcome to the club. This is a crowd podcast. This episode is sponsored by the Cookie Monster, Darren Linden. To be more like Darren, go to patreon.com forward slash Joe Marler Show, become an official sponsor, get bonus content, and grow the show today. His back is strong, his beard is thick. Wonders what makes people tick. Joe Marler and his show. Joe here we go. Hello you. Welcome to both mine and Tom's show. Quite creepy this. Which is only called the Joe Marler Show, when in fact it's the Joe and Tom show. But that's what we're gonna progress to. It's like a sequel. So this is the prequel to the sequel before the trilogy happens. I think the prequel is just before the actual thing and the sequel is to the actual thing. So what's the actual thing called? This the thing. The thing? Yeah. Okay, so this is the thing which is pre the sequel. Mm, but post the prequel. And post prequel. Anyway, I had a question for you, Joe. Please go ahead and ask me. Do you remember, if you cast our mind, Joe, back to the live tour, there were a few points where people in the audience were applauding. I think generally when we left the stage, there's a sense of relief. <laughs> there was a picture that did the rounds on our pod WhatsApp group of people applauding. And for the first time, because there was a few people whose palms had literally met the moment the, the photo had taken, some whose arms were out quite wide, and some who were coming in. And it made me think for the first time, why the fuck, if we want to show a level of appreciation, why do we slap our hands together? Like, of all the things you could do. You hit your leg. You could strike your shoulder. You could just like, rub your f- hands on your face. Why do we clap our hands? Do you want to know the answer? Yes. So it goes way back to the Roman times mm-hmm. when Caesar would chop people's hands off Bastard. to stop them from being able to eat. So they'd, like, they'd really struggle. Well, stop them doing many things, really. If well, you actually, yeah, that's true. But mainly to stop them from being able to clap. So no, that's, but... that's why when we clap now, we're going, thank you for not chopping our hands off. Do you think we could come up with a, a new form of clapping? People have been clapping for too long doesn't mean anything anymore. It's meaningless. Yeah, let's invent a clap. You go first. I'm going to... It's not a huge move on from the clap, but we'll get there. I'm going to take my right palm yeah. and I'm going to slap it against my left shoulder. 
So we agreed that it needs to make a noise, do we? I think so. And then my disapproval, simply the mirror. Left palm to right shoulder. At the same time? No, because otherwise I'd be showing both disapproval and approval, which you could if you felt ambivalent about something. Yeah. Ambivalent is both. Patronise me like that at the top of the show one more time. <laughs> Fucking God help you. What you got in your locker? Clapwise, I mean. Well, I'm I not wasn't, asking for fight. I wasn't going to go with the noise one. I was okay. just going to, you know, Team America. When Both he says, hands in the air, waving above you. Yeah, head. when they go, oh, what's the the, the yeah. signal to help? And he, he puts his hands up and just like, rah! But without the rah, we're just there going. Yeah, waving our arms in the air above our heads. Which they can't hear, see yeah. on a podcast. That's why I keep describing exactly what you're doing. Okay, you're going to go with that. Your, head's, your head is oscillating to a significant extent. Can you try and nod whilst I'm moving your head? <laughs> you, you can't do you're, it. You're, you're starting to really freak oh me out. Oh my God, that's so... Do you feel seasick? I feel horrible. Fuck. You have a moment calm, Joe, and I'll deliver the following message. If you would like to support the show, and I'll continue to do this in a calming fashion to bring Joe back down to earth, you can subscribe Apple, Spotify and Patreon for just a pound a week. Are you feeling better, Joe? You can get bonus content, ad-free episodes, and at the very same time, I'll do this bit for you this time, bearing in mind you're still looking a bit green around the gills, you'll be growing the show. You can also listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Joe, are you ready to get a guest on, or would you like a little longer? I just need a bit of fresh air. I feel, Your voice is gone I feel as well. fucking sick. I'm not joking. <laughs> you My don't idea for that as a clap is not working. Do we call it clapping, because it sounds like clapping? No, we need to rebrand it. Let's do that after the show. Just tell the guests to come on in a minute. <laughs> okay. Our guest today is Dr. Jonathan Kennedy, and he is an expert in germs. Hello, Jonathan. Hello, Joe. Nice to meet you. I'm really sorry. You are just about to take a swig of water, weren't you? It's okay. Don't worry, I can wait. Please, I enjoy an awkward silence, so... Also, handily, I needed to cough, but I suddenly became very conscious, Joe. Oh, wow, oh. look how aggressive that pour was. I feel like I'm under pressure now. That's so good. Pulled like, pulled like a cocktail, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. I was conscious, Joe, that I wanted to cough, but suddenly became aware that we have an expert in germs with us in the studio and that coughing spreads a phenomenal amount of germs. Is that true, Jonathan? That's our first question. Well, I should make a correction because... You know, my background's not in, in medicine or biology. My background's in kind of history and sociology and politics. But I am fascinated by, by germs and by the way that they, they impact kind of history and society and, and politics. So I, I've read a lot about germs in the last few years as a, as a kind of layperson. And so I can tell you, tell you quite a lot about them. But it's, it's more from a layperson's perspective than, than someone who has a really kind of deep understanding of the, of the science. But yeah, sure, coughing. Can I cough? spreads germs. Um, better to cover your mouth, but... Uh... Right, Joe, you talk. I'll go. It's <laughs> the studio. Go. Why in the fuck did you turn and face me? I faced away from you. No, no, but you faced more towards me than you did Dr. Jonathan. He's our guest. We've been recording all day. You're full of my germs already, probably. What? Ridiculous. Anyway, I really like the sound, Dr. Jonathan, of the lay person. That suits me. So what do you actually do then? What is your interest and how, how far does that go? Yeah, so my day job is an academic. So I, I teach public health at um, 
the medical school at Queen Mary University of London. And so part of my time is teaching and also marking. I was just talking about marking essays that I was doing this morning. And another part of my time is spent doing research and writing. So I've just written a book on the the way in which germs have impacted history um, called Pathogenesis, How Germs Made Made History. So you're not a germaphobe. Would you describe yourself as germaphobe? Well, I guess the thing we've got to remember is germs or if we talk about microbes, so for example, bacteria and viruses, they're just absolutely everywhere. They're all around us. They're right all... now, there's loads of germs. Yeah, yeah. So if we think of our planet, there's, I mean, the, the numbers are absolutely crazy. But if you were to take all the bacteria on the planet and weigh them, they would weigh a thousand times more than all the humans on the planet. Including Joe? Including Joe. Fucking hell. And if you were to take all the viruses and put them end to end, apparently they would reach for a hundred million light years. So what? when you consider a light year is something like six trillion miles, it's just kind of hard to get your, your head around. But there's, there's loads of them. They're everywhere. They're even inside us. There's like 40 trillion bacteria inside our own bodies. Um, so slightly more than the number of, of uh, human cells and maybe 10 times that number of viruses in and on our body. So it's just... Oh. Um, in that 40 trillion that you say are inside our body, how many of them are different? Is it like 10 trillion of the same germ and then... Do you know what I mean? Like... No, no, they're not. They're not all different. They're different strains, but um, they do they do various things. So a piece of research that you know really got me excited and kind of was one of the inspirations for writing the book was by some Belgian scientists. And basically, what they did was they got the the feces, the poo of two thousand Belgians, and they it sounds like the stuff yeah, like ra- ra- rather than than me, and kind of tried to see what bacteria was in their in their poo. They realised some really mad stuff. So about 90% of the strains of bacteria in the poo were capable of producing what we call neurotransmitters. So things like dopamine or serotonin, um, these chemical messengers that really influence our, our moods. And so there's this question, why, why do they do this? Why have they evolved over millions of years to kind of produce these, these chemicals that influence our, our minds? And it seems to be the case possibly that, you know, kind of dopamine, serotonin, they make us more sociable, they make us happier, they make us go out and meet people and maybe kind of exchange our, our, our germs. So it seems like they've evolved to create these chemical messengers in order to create opportunities for them to jump from one body to another. And something else that was really interesting in that study was people that were clinically depressed in that sample were lacking in two particular types of, of bacteria. And so, again, the kind of consequences of this for medicine are really, are really kind of really mind-blowing. It might be the case that in, in you know, a few years' time, it's, it's, it makes more sense to treat depression with what we call fecal, fecal transplants. So with poo a shit of a Belgian. Yeah, than a shit of a healthy Belgian, I guess we should say, rather than Prozac or therapy. It's like really, really mad stuff. No fucking way <laughs> am I letting you get away with that whole shebang you just came out with. Let me get this right. You took a load of shit from Belgians... Not me, not me. No, not you, these people. <laughs> Took a load of shit from Belgians, examined it, found that it was full of loads of dopamine and shit. They looked at the DNA. And now you're suggesting to treat clinical depression, I need to eat a Belgian shit. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what you've come on and told us? Um, I need to eat a healthy Belgian's turd. <laughs> you, wouldn't, you wouldn't eat it because you're... Um your digestive system would destroy the bacteria. It would be probably, I think the way they do it, again, they kind of get a frozen pellet and they, they put it in the, in the other way, I think. You... <laughs> <laughs> I'm not an expert in fecal, plant, fecal transplants, but I think that's, uh, 
I think that's what they do. It's a frozen poo sluice, Joe. We talked about poo sluices with our cosmetic surgeon, a frozen Belgian shit suppository. I, and also I the... have put so much up my ass, <laughs> but never, never ever have I considered putting a frozen pellet of Belgian shit up my ass <laughs> to make now. yourself feel happy. Until now. Until now. I need to know... Is that like a legit option? Because I, I suffer. I've, I've suffered with depression. I, I regularly am on meds and I'm regularly looking for ways to help this. But if well, I go back to my wife, <laughs> days, and not even tell her, she just catches me one day, <laughs> just in the bath, chuck it in the bath, just in going the chat. To the, going to the freezer in the just kitchen. Go to the freezer. Move it, lifting the ice cubes and taking out some brown ice cubes. Right, okay. This, that is really fascinating. I'd like to. Yeah, yeah. Look so I think the. I think, you know, the science is developing very, very quickly. So it's not yet a kind of an option to go to your doctor and ask for that. But I guess the, the kind of logical conclusion from that is now, you know, you can take care of your, your microbiome, right? They talk about it with regards to having a healthy functioning gut anyway to kind of eat um, probiotics and prebiotics to try and make sure that there's a healthy gut flora in there. So that, that can help as well. Another crazy couple of, of studies um, that, that really kind of encouraged me to look into this further were about viruses. And so there are some viruses called retroviruses. They basically, so viruses, are they're not alive. They're bits of genetic information. So DNA or RNA, which is single-stranded, covered in protein, and they only really spring to life when they get inside our cells, and they kind of take over our cells and reproduce themselves and kind of spew out lots and lots of other virus particles. But they're not alive. So. They're, they're only alive when they enter our cells. That's the, the mad thing. They're in this kind of like twilight zone between the dead and the alive. It's a bit like, uh, it's a bit like in the old days... Uh, a floppy disk or something that it can't do anything until it goes into nice computer hardware and then it kind of and then it kind of comes to comes to life so it needs the hardware of our cells or animal cells or plant cells to come alive but there are these these viruses retroviruses that reproduce by inserting their DNA into our DNA so this is how viruses like HIV AIDS reproduce but when these viruses when they infect our sperm or our egg cells, something really remarkable happens. They pass down that DNA to our children, our children's children, and so on and so on and so on. So something like 8% of the DNA in our genome, so in our about 8% of our DNA, comes from virus infections. Often that happened hundreds of millions of years ago. What? The crazy thing is, like a lot of this DNA seems to be junk. It doesn't do anything. But it also seems that we've acquired from viruses certain functions that we, we kind of usually assume to be fundamentally human. Even things like forming memories. So the way in which memories pass from one brain cell to another, it's very similar to the way that a virus kind of infects, infects a cell. It kind of transfers in these tiny protein bubbles that look like, look like viruses. And they have, um, scientists have managed to breed mice and remove the gene that has been inherited from, from this virus infection. And these mice, they can't learn anything and they can't form memories. Joe, I'm looking at you, you're looking at me. On a scale of one to a hundred, how much has your mind been blown by these opening exchanges? I'm still trying to disseminate. No, I don't think that's... Understand. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Just go with a simpler option. Fine. The answer with the whole DNA, memory, virus thing. So let me get this right. You're saying there's been loads of research to show the comparison between the way viruses infect a cell between and also the brain cells remembering shit. 
to make memories. So a virus causes me to remember stuff. Kind of. So it's the same process. Let's 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 go back a bit. So please, these infections occurred kind of hundreds of millions of years ago when you know we weren't humans. So we never used to be able to make memories. Then these viruses might have caused us to then yeah, be so able this, to it, make memories. This is part of evolution. Hundreds of millions of of years ago, we often think of evolution as occurring like in the way that Charles Darwin explain, right, that you have kind of... Um, with the dodos and that. With the dodos and the kind of variations in natural selection. And, and that plays a big role in evolution. But also you have other, other kind of mechanisms. And one of, the, one of the really kind of bizarre mechanisms is these viruses that come along and infect our distant ancestors, infect their sperm or their, or their egg cells, and then basically kind of, I guess it's like, prehistoric biohacking, isn't it? It kind of like inserts a gene into our DNA that we then pass down to our to our children and their children and you know it becomes part of part of us. Joe, I would like to know, because this is blowing my mind as well, I would like to know, Jonathan, I think we cut to the chase here, the craziest bacteria that you've ever heard of. That's such a hard question you've posed there, Tom. <laughs> We've just spoken about 40 trillion <laughs> germs inside us, and there's like a thousand times the amount of humans on Earth. Weight-wise. What do you mean, weight-wise? It wasn't my answer. I'm not entirely sure. <laughs> so the mass, right? I mean, there's... Okay. Bacteria are so small, we can't see them with the naked eye. But bacteria, are they like... Are they bugs? Do they actually look like something? Are they... For some reason, I just think that bacteria, germs or virus or whatever we're calling them, are like air or really tiny air. But are they actually tiny... Are they like tiny, tiny, tiny things? Real... Yes, yeah, so, live things. So unlike unlike viruses, bacteria are actually alive. They're often single-celled organisms, so they're really, really tiny and really, really simple compared to us complex things. The crazy thing is with when you think about it, is that you know we're actually all evolved from bacteria if we believe the theory of evolution. Um, if we don't believe in creation or or something like that, which so I, that's that's the idea that life started in some sort of hot pool on the north coast of Australia or something. Yeah. So basically, if we think about the kind of history of the the planet the planet's been around for something like 4.6 billion years and then the first evidence of life in any form is about a billion years later and this is you know kind of single-celled bacteria-like organisms and yeah there's some some fossil evidence of them in in Australia certainly you know humans don't arrive on the on the scene until you know, if we think of humans as a general species about 2 million years ago and Homo sapiens maybe 200, 300,000 years ago. So if you, if you basically reduce the whole of this 4.6 billion years into 24 hours, at about 3 o'clock you have the emergence of some kind of bacteria. Then at about 11.30, maybe dinosaurs like your T-shirt, they turn up and then... I fucking knew this <laughs> T-shirt would come in handy today. You, you chose it specially, didn't you? I did. I went germs, dinos, bosh. And then it's only one minute before midnight that humans arrive on the on the scene. So we've been here for kind of a, a tiny amount of time in the history of the whole planet. It's pretty humbling when you think about it in that way. I've lost I've lost track. What were we talking about? We were talking about so the single cell organisms, which yeah 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 yeah. So so we have we evolved from these single cell organisms. You know, kind of gradually, two of these single cell organisms kind of fused together and um, created the first kind of complex cell and then slowly over over millions billions of years we we evolved so scientists talk about something called luca which is the last universal common ancestor so all life on this planet you know if we think of the evolutionary tree of life we can trace everything back to the trunk right and at the bottom there's there's one single celled organism that we all all evolved from whether it's kind of plants 
you, me, the birds in the sky, bacteria even, we all evolved from this universal common ancestor. Again, it's pretty crazy, but it happened over billions of years. So, you know, it's really hard to get our, our minds around that. Is there a virus or a bacteria out there that could wipe out humanity? I mean, I guess the thing that we have to remember with bacteria and viruses is that they're mutating all the time and their reproductive cycle is so much quicker than, than ours that they mutate much faster. Massive shaggers. No? Yeah, they don't really, they don't really what sh- do they do? shag. Do they not shag? How no, do no, they so, reproduce? So viruses, there are various ways, but they have to kind of take over... So they just nick other a cell cells. And, yeah, yeah, basically, and kind so of they use go, them. Hey, they, so here's the, this is the virus hand. Go, yeah. A right hand is the virus. This one sees this cell who's just dormant. Your left hand. My left hand's dormant, and he goes, oh, shall we, shall we double up? Should we double? Should we? I want you. And there's no consent either. He just takes. Yeah, gone. And then they're, well, they're, they go, they, another cell. Yeah, so they'll be tiny. They'll go inside the cell and they'll <gasps> take over. That. Take over that one. So yeah. they don't double in size necessarily. They just take over that cell. Yeah, and they use the cells kind of machinery to reproduce. Basically, it would be like the hand analogy was not a good one. No, it works well. Yeah, that works. That's a pretty. That's a pretty good one. That's a pretty... <laughs> I get the sense Jonathan will not be using that in front of his classes. Maybe in the maybe future. I will. But. And then bacteria are different. They just kind of multiply. But what's really crazy about bacteria is different strains have the ability to, they call it kind of horizontal gene transfer. So if a gene is particularly favorable in an environment, they can kind of transfer it between between different species, which again, it's a bit like this kind of biohacking thing. But So what can get us, Jonathan? What should Joe and I, when we leave the podcast studio tonight, having used, I imagine, Joe, quite a large amount of alcohol, hand rub, not only in our fingers, but possibly our faces, our armpits, any area of skin that's been exposed. Can we just touch on that, the, the anti-back thing? It's related to your question, what can wipe us out? Well, we've just come off the back of a pandemic that potentially, or at the start, had the fear of potentially mm. wiping us out. And then somehow the other day I was watching the King's Coronation and there was like a little scrolling news feed just slipped in there that the World Health Organization has officially announced COVID pandemic to be over. You know, good news. During it all, we already locked down, shitting ourselves about this this virus and then on the back of it, covering our faces and all this anti-back. And me and my wife sat there and we go, we're worried about all this anti-back shit because the generator, we had a kid during lockdown, yeah. brought up during lockdown. And we were worried that this child was going to get poorly more because they were too clean. We were using anti-back on fucking everything, like spraying our shopping on the outside and leaving it. And we were like, there's going to be no germs or bacteria to actually strengthen. And this is all layman shit between me and my wife. We're thick as pig shit. Look, I love Daisy to bits. But between us, <laughs> we don't know shit about anything. Are we right in the fact that if we've got no bacteria, we can't actually build up a strong immunity to it all? Or are we just making shit up? No, no, I think there's there's something something to it. There's research that shows that, you know, if we're exposed to, to germs, it helps us in all sorts of all sorts of ways, you know, kind of even it seems to help with not developing allergies maybe. And it kind of primes our immune system and and helps us get used to living in a world that is kind of dominated by by diseases. So yeah, same as you, I have a two and a half year old who was born during the the pandemic and yeah, when she first went to to nursery, she seemed to get everything, every little sniffle and cough and bring it back. You know, I think the immune system's there there already and they'll catch up, you know, when they go to nursery and, and school. So I don't think you have to worry in the in the long term, but certainly kind of it's a bit it's a bit strange for children that were born during the pandemic and only saw their parents for the first few months. Um, but then, you know, 
as I was saying, we have an enormous amount of bacteria and viruses on and in us anyway. So, you know, we're exposing our kids to, to those all the all the time. So I wouldn't I wouldn't worry. Thank you for that one then. Sorry, Tom, for interrupting That's fine. you. You carry on with yours now. So please. Joe doesn't need to worry about that one, Jonathan. Should I worry about the zombie apocalypse? Yeah, I think that's more of a worry. Hmm. Um, what? Well, I mean, if we think about it, we live we live in a world where we've almost created like perfect conditions for infectious diseases to emerge and to spread. So, you know, most infectious diseases that infect humans have come from animals and they kind of mutate and jump species and um, spread through the human population. And, you know, we live in a world where the level of the population is is unprecedented, where we're kind of pushing into animal habitats. There's all this kind of industrial scale factory farming. And then not to mention the fact that, you know, you can jump on a plane to Australia or New Zealand or America. You know, you can travel around the world really, really quickly. So this is almost kind of perfect conditions for infectious diseases to jump from animals to humans and then to, to spread quickly throughout the human human population. Um, and scientists have, have kind of calculated that there's maybe a two to three percent chance of another COVID-style pandemic emerging every year. So if Every we th- year? Yeah, so if you think over 25 years, that's a 50% chance, which is pretty scary. But I think there are also reasons to be optimistic, right? If we think uh, of... Oh, fucking... Uh, please help. Well, like with the the COVID pandemic emerged and it started spreading and it was really scary. And at times we thought it was a kind of almost like an existential threat to humanity. But you had all these scientists working away in the laboratories really hard, sharing information. And within a year, they developed a a pretty effective vaccine, right? It's kind of, I mean, I've had COVID after three vaccines and it still feels pretty horrible, but, you know, it doesn't hospitalize you, doesn't kill you if if you're lucky. So it's kind of turned what was a a really kind of deadly disease into one that's kind of, you know, vaccine preventable more or, more or less. And, you know, medical sciences, the rate at which it's developing is really, really fast. And so that that provides that provides a good amount of hope. And I don't know, if we look at things that have happened in the last kind of 75 years, the, the development of antibiotics, for example, in the middle of the last century, you know, that really kind of transformed medicine. The rolling out of vaccines have really had a phenomenal impact on on health. So smallpox, this is a disease that was eliminated, I think, 1979, 1980, but it killed something like two, three hundred million people in the 20, 20th century alone. So, you know, we have shown that if we pull together and invest in medical research and then roll out these vaccine programs, we can achieve really, really quite remarkable things. Hello everyone, it is Tom here and I would like to tell you about what our friends at NordVPN are up to this November. You know NordVPN, they're your go-to for when you're travelling and you need to change your virtual location to watch all your favourite shows. They also protect all of your private data like bank details, passwords and online identity. We're fully signed up in the Fordyce household, especially because it's super easy to use and it only costs the price of a cup of coffee each month. This year, NordVPN have teamed up with Movember, which is a very special annual event here at the Joe Marler Show. During Movember, new and recurring NordVPN customers will have the chance to contribute one, five or ten pounds to the charity and NordVPN will then match your donation. It's really important for men to talk about their mental health and to look after their physical health as well. NordVPN will take care of your cyber health. So sign up, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Marla to get four extra months free and support Movember.
Shrink the Box is back for a brand new season. This is the podcast where we put our favorite fictional TV characters into therapy. Join me, Ben Bailey-Smith, and our brand new psychotherapist, Namon Metaxas. Hi, Ben. Yes, this season we're going to be putting the likes of Tommy from Peaky Blinders, Cersei from Game of Thrones on the couch to learn why their behavior creates so much drama. So make sure you press the follow button to get new episodes as soon as they land on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. Shrink the Box is a Sony Music Entertainment original podcast. Dr. Jonathan, have you seen The Last of Us? I haven't. I've heard of it. Explain, Joe. I've not seen this. You've not seen it either. Zombie-based? It's zombie-based. It's like about this this fungus that takes over people's bodies and turn them into zombies. And it had me hooked because the way in which they presented it to me did seem very realistic and real and plausible. And then I find this fucking video that Sir David Attenborough... 97 years of age has done and what he says goes basically surely I've never known him to be wrong I see this clip about these fucking ants zombie ants this mushroom or this fungi this cordyceps thing take over these ants and turn them into zombies and make them do shit that they don't do, what? and then they die. Hang on, this is this is the real world, or is this the? Program? No, no, this isn't the pro. Sorry, The Last of Us is the program, and then I've watched that. Oh, it was fantastic, but then it did scare me because it looked so real. And then I sort of looked into whether that was actually doable, and then I find these fucking ants that it is happening in real life with loads of bugs. With loads of different fungi and cordyceps. Is it, am I saying it right? Cool. I think so. I think so. Cordyceps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know anything about this that I've just mentioned or have I just made this up? I've had a quick read about it and, yeah, first of all, to confirm it is a real thing. The, the guys that made The Last of Us were inspired by this Attenborough clip where basically an ant gets overcome by this fungi. It takes over its, its mind basically and forces it to kind of climb up really high into a tree and then it dies and a mushroom sprouts out of its head, head oh. I think, and then kind of rains down spores. So the reason why it's gone up high is because it will allow the spores to go a, go a longer distance, and then they rain down on the on the ant population and infect them. So, yeah, pretty... What pretty... I also found fascinating about that clip is that the other ants recognise these zombie ant, ants getting it, and they, like, go to pick them up and fuck off these Do early doors. They try and, like, lob them off. I mean, it's not great terminology, but they just try and lob them off wherever they go. Do you know what I mean? But then it wasn't just the ants. There's loads of other bugs, insects that this happens to a lot. Yeah, and so the conceit in The Last of Us is that climate change has allowed the fungi to jump from from ants to, to humans. But thankfully, and hopefully this is a reason to be optimistic, Ants are so different to us, like their their kind of nervous system and everything is so different that it wouldn't be plausible that this fungi could ever jump the, the species barrier. But it's a good program, I've heard. Um, Dr. Jonathan, do I really need to wash my hands after I've come for a wee? Yeah, I think it's <laughs> advisable, yeah. Is yeah. it? Yeah. Like, is there a lot of germs? Why is there loads of germs on my knob? <laughs> well, that's the question maybe that only you can answer. Okay, but no, like, I'm talking like generally. Like, why? That's just a fair point because you're... Why is my knob more germy this? than my hand or my leg? That's, if anything, less germy because it's been covered up 90% of the day. Much more important after you've done a, a number two. Oh, so poo. Certainly, yeah. but I think it's still plight after you've done a number one. And, you know, I think the thing is once you're in the toilet, you, you touch all sorts of other stuff that other people might have touched or... Right, well, I, I think we need to know more about this, Joe. Jonathan, in terms of your classic toilet setup, <laughs> where are the germs? What should we be touching only using a sort of 
a mummified hand of toilet paper over our fingers. Should we lift the seat? <laughs> With your feet? Yeah. Although... Then you're going to walk it into... They're going to walk the toilet seat germs everywhere you go. What if you then walk back into the bedroom, you get into bed, suddenly you've got toilet seat germs on your bed? Yeah, but there is more germs on my phone than there are on the underneath of my toilet seat. <laughs> <laughs> is that true, Jonathan? I don't know. I don't know. It sounds like it could be could be the case. But I guess the thing is, you know, what kind of germs are they? And are they, are they germs that are going to cause you harm or... Or not, probably. Just to go back to Joe's original point there, Jonathan, because this, this is a, an interesting one. The bacteria in his urine are existing perfectly happy and not damaging him whilst inside him. So if he were to get a little bit of wee on his hands, why is that an issue? Not a big issue, I guess. There have been some super interesting studies by even archaeologists that kind of go back in, in time and, you know, do things like try and study what was in Roman Roman toilets. So in Roman days, they had these kind of vast communal toilets made out of marble with no separating walls or anything. And Posh. Yeah, people would just sit down, do their business. They even had a kind of sponge on a stick. Like a bog brush. Yeah, that they shared. Pardon? Rather than using... Rather than using shared? Seems like that, that's, that's what... Out I, of all of the fucking things, yeah? And they've gone, we'll make a marble <laughs> toilet, communal shitter, marble shitter. Yeah, lovely. Luxury here, boys. They've only got one stick with a sponge on it. You think, morons. Yeah, but I think that was a long way in the past when people didn't understand how, how diseases were. Mm. But you still get a shitty ass If you're wiping your ass with someone, someone's sponge. Oh, there's probably flowing water as well, so you could get the, the visible bits off. Well, the, the Romans invented the viaducts, Tom. And the, and the, the aqueducts. And the aqueducts! <laughs> What's a viaduct? It's just a way across something. <laughs> would you I think the protocol here if we were in this setup, the marble would be nice nice and cool as well particularly in the midsummer heat of Rome and mm. Italy is that the last person to use the sponge would have to wash it because the last thing you'd want would be let's say you finish with the sponge yeah I've gone into this marble setup. my first gig is picking up your shitty sponge but if you've gone in there yes you've used the sponge you've rinsed it to my eyes it looks pretty much brand new and it's on a stick so I don't have to touch it yeah <laughs> I want to live there. Would days be up for that if you if you built a massive marble shitter in your house? I'm just trying to get my head around this marble shitter. Like it just seems a little little bit. So they look like benches, basically, kind of long benches of marble with holes in them. People just sat there and did their business. But I think another mad thing about them is they weren't very good at getting rid of the waste. Like uh, glass though, portolo. Exactly. But this would build up over years. Years. Certain points, the heat and the buildup of gases would lead to kind of explosions. So you'd have kind of you know kind of fire and human waste leaping out of the, <laughs> out of the hole at various points so yeah places to avoid but people also had toilets in their house in, in, in Rome again they would have been pretty disgusting places because they weren't linked up to the sewers in general they basically gathered the human waste in the basement of the house and then periodically you'd kind of uh, you'd shovel it out and put it onto the fields or, or something I think I'd go to yours my shits I'd find some reason to pop round to yours cup of tea and need to borrow something I'd be like oh, can I just use your and I'd do it every day you live in Nutsford yeah but I wouldn't that's in Roman that's a four times. hour train <laughs> It's a fucking long hold, that, just for a shit. Couldn't you just shit in the woods, like the bears? This episode is sponsored by the following delightful people. The Statesman, Robert Hamilton. Dave, going back down Southworth. You can go your own way, Richard Calloway. Ding-a-ding-a-ding-a-ding. Fireman Sam Williams. Whoa, Chris Keddy, Bama Lamb. The Slayer, Vicky Lou. Alexander the Great, the Cooser. The Lord of Tristan Hall, Windy Rhino, Chris Swallow, and Stacey Vickers. Drive by Fruitin, it's Rob McKenna, Comedy Dave Carr, and the only way, 
is go of Essex. To be more like all of them, just go to patreon.com forward slash Joe Mullisher. Just become an official sponsor. Just get yourself some bonus content and just grow the show today. Joe, when you and I think about germs, I think before we spoke to Jonathan, we probably were thinking of more prosaic things. I was thinking about nightclubs. <laughs> you want to name any name and shame any nightclubs that you uh, you think would be I probably grimiest? won't. What do you think the germiest place in a nightclub would be? Well, I think the last nightclub I went to was a certain establishment in southwest London. In the, Kingston or Clapham? In Clapham. Mm. And believe it or not, I would bet a lot of money that the toilets weren't the, weren't the germiest place <laughs> because you'd see several people just wandering up to the bar, ordering a drink with their knob out <laughs> under the bar and just pissing straight on the floor whilst ordering their next drink. So it's not the, the toilet for me. It would be the carpet of said establishment. You know earlier when I said about the phone and that lot? Mm. Well, I've got a list of stuff here. The 10 most germiest things you'll find in your house. Nice. Phone. What number? Siente. Oh. Is that seven? Seven. Yeah. Cutting boards, obvious. Mm. Yeah. Fridge handles, again, obvious. Remote controls. Big time. No one ever washes a remote control, do they? When was the last time you wiped clean your remote control? Won't answer that. <laughs> uh, but hotel remote controls are even more disgusting, right? Oh, yes. Oh, fuck. Can't imagine the cleaners getting to no. do that, right? No, Jonathan, no. I've fucking never considered that. I know that my control's dirty. Also, think about the button which will be dirtiest on the remote control. Because let's say the cleaner, and I'm, I'm with you, Jonathan, the cleaner's not touching the remote control. Let's say the cleaner suddenly thought, do you know what, I never do the remote control. They've got a wet wipe. What's the one button they're not going to press on the remote control? Off. On or off. The button you, Joe, are most likely to touch. This one, sponges and dishcloths are number one. The very items you use to clean your hands and dishes are among the filthiest objects you encounter. Kitchen sponges are the worst, with as many as 10 million bacteria per inch. Oh. So, like... <laughs> So, essentially, that chat we had earlier about do I need to wash my hands after I've been to the toilet, the answer is yes, because when I've been, I'll end up coming out with 70 million bacteria on my hand. <laughs> or if I was urinating erect, I would come out with at least a, 110 million bacteria I on see, my hand. But I don't think... Because it's, yeah, it's but 10 million per square inch. Yeah, but they're not... They're not multiplying as you become erect. They're not multiplying at the same rate as you're becoming erect and thus filling the now extended length of your penis, are they? They're, well, just, they're no, just more dispersed over... No, 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 no. They are, because the more surface they have... How long are you staying erect for? <laughs> well... <laughs> I've never seen you flummox like this before. <laughs> I'm just trying to think of when I'm... What am I doing? Am I coming back into the studio? Have I just gone for a, a water break? Yeah. Why have you had an erection in the studio? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just for common purpose. Anyway, that's about 200,000 times more than your toilet seat. What? That's two, On your kitchen sponge, there is 200,000 times more bacteria ah. than your toilet so seat. I was going to say here, Jonathan, does that mean we're better loosening the toilet seat and using the toilet seat to wipe down the kitchen <laughs> work surface? Have you got a dog? 
Jonathan? No, I grew up with collies. Did you ever, whenever you had a cut or anything, would they either come over to you or if they were near in your vicinity, would they ever lick your cut or let you'd let them lick your cut? Yeah, yeah, exactly. My mum used to say that it helped, helped it heal. Yeah, um, and I thought, oh, that would be a load of bollocks as well. But the dogs have always done it for some reason. Our dogs, they've always, you know, licked your baddies or something like that. And we've never really, I've never been like, oh... That's weird, isn't it? Or thing I've gone along the lines of, oh, you've just cleaned that up for me. Well, it turns out uh, that is true. Well, it's good for them. Yeah. Dog saliva has got many agents that kill germs and help heal wounds. But they lick each other's asses. <laughs> well, if you think about that sentence, an ass, particularly on a dog, looks like a wound. <laughs> so it confuses yeah. them. Although they're really intelligent and trustworthy and honest, friendly animals, they see an arsehole, they go, that's a wound, and they're trying to heal it. So, Even a collie, because Jonathan's collies would have been super sharp. The collie's the most intelligent of canines, isn't it? Yeah, so they, they haven't really evolved as, <laughs> as quickly as... But in all seriousness, they've got an enzyme called the lysozyme, which breaks the chemical bonds in bacterial cell walls. So I'm going to get licked... <laughs> buy my dogs a lot more now just to <laughs> make myself feel better rather than a fucking anti-bag. I'm not having any of that. And there's, there's some interesting stuff as well about, I mean, a crazy fact that I came across when researching for the book was there's viruses everywhere, right? There's kind of, and viruses kill about 20%, maybe even more of all bacteria in the world every every day. Um, so most most viruses are in the in the sea and the ocean. But again, we were talking a bit about the role that bacteria might play in, in medicine and treating mental health problems. But there's also hope that in the future, viruses that kill bacteria, so they're called bacteriophages, will be kind of the new antibiotics because this is another concern as well. It's not just, you know, kind of the next COVID or the next flu outbreak. You know, a big concern is antimicrobial resistance. Microbes, particularly bacteria, basically kind of evolving resistance to antibiotics. And already something like 1.2 million people die every year from diseases that were previously treated by, by antibiotics but aren't, uh, aren't anymore. But these these viruses that kill bacteria might might be a way of resolving resolving that. I've got a question for each of you. Uh, Jonathan, the question to you is a very straightforward one. Your book is called Pathogenesis. It's out now. We can get hold of it in all the usual book places. All good bookshops, yeah. It kind of covers a lot of the stuff that we have talked about on the podcast, but also basically tries to retell history from, you know, the Neanderthals to, to the present day, really, and talk about some of the things that we have to have to worry about. And yeah, it aims to really kind of change the way that we think about the world. And hopefully it's it's insightful, but it's also, you know, I work at university, but it's aimed for the general reader. It's meant to be fun. It's meant to be a, a reasonably easy, easy read. So, so yeah, if you've been interested in the things we've been talking about today, then perhaps you might like the book too. Superb. And my question for you, Jamala, is all the stuff that we've heard about from Jonathan and all the stuff we've learned about today is it going to change the way that you live your life um i'm i'm really contemplating whether i wash my hands anymore <laughs> yeah, sack it off i think i'm only gonna wash my hands i'm not even sure i'm gonna wash my hands if i've got shit on my hands <laughs> because i've never I've, I've never lived a life where i know what that does to me do you know what i mean 
I've lived the majority of my life, or my my knowing life, maybe at four or five, I was eating shit just for fun. But my knowing life, I've always washed my hands and known that, that poo and germs is, and all that lot is just bad, so I wash my hands thingy. But I might start just not doing that to see what happens to me. Is that fair? Is it? Are you you looking at me like you're never going to shake my hand ever again? As long as you flag up when this period begins, when it ends, that's Well, it's fine. starting now. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> so from now, if I shit on my hands... <laughs> I'm not washing it off. Okay. I'm going to salute you every time I see you. Or the alternative is I'll just get my dogs to lick my hands, which is quite a strange way to end this podcast. But Dr. Jonathan, thank you so much for coming on. Oh, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. You know, I struggle sometimes with my mental health, Tom, Mm. and I've explored loads of different things to try and improve it, but never in a million years did I ever think I would genuinely consider putting a Belgian person's frozen pee of shit inside my anus in order to help me improve my mental health. Dr. Jonathan suggesting that is just absolutely bamboozled me. You know, Joe, this is a slight jump, but go with it. You know if people who use a sperm donor aren't allowed to find out anything about the sperm donor. Right. Apart from that geezer you found who had his van and his mattress that we yeah. talked about a while ago. Yeah. If you had the Belgian frozen poo pee up your anus, would you like to know anything about the Belgian? Because what if they weren't a happy Belgian? What if yeah, they, they were a melancholic Belgian? Yeah, but they'd, they'd, have to be, they'd have to be a happy... It's irrelevant whether they're a happy Belgian because according to Jonathan and the research he found was that it just mattered that the dopamine levels in the poo were high enough. Now, I also need to state, for the record, we are not medical professionals. Just in case anyone was under the impression that we were, (laughs) we are not trained, neither of us have done any training. Yeah, but I think you have to do this legally, don't you? Why are you suddenly bothered about legal things? I mean, I said the things that you've said on this podcast that Ryan has had to take out. I'm starting to worry a little bit, but also Dr. Jonathan, this isn't his research or his advice, it's something he's found. So therefore, we're not directly saying just nip on the ferry over to Belgium to find nearest, happiest Belgian person. With frozen shit. And say, excuse me. René. René, can I have your shit to take back home? Do you know what I mean? We're not think, actually saying that I don't think you take it back listeners. home because unless you had a cool box, you just best off if it's frozen. You're doing it there in front I of them? I think so. Well, not in front of them, but do it on Belgian soil. So I'm putting soil up my arse as well now. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, my mind is full of possibilities of the identity of is the shit Is there a small part donor. of you that wants to help me explore this as a genuine option? I wouldn't say small part, it's a very large part. It's not much on a ferry to Belgium. I'm getting the ferry. Come with me now. To the ferry terminal, Joe, and beyond. Bonjour, je m'appelle Jo. Je voudrais un poupou très froid pour mon anus. Crowd Network, a place where you belong. Sports Social Podcast Network.